Hi, and welcome to episode 47 of No Crying in Baseball. It's the back to school episode. My name's Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth, who may or may not be excited about the whole back to school thing. What say you, Potty Mouth? You know, those three words are not happy words to me. That's probably the three words that I dislike the most in the English language. I am going back to work on Tuesday. And baseball will get me through. So first marking period is always the roughest one for us teachers. I'm thinking that's some good playoffs, good World Series. I'll hang in there. I'm here for you. I will try to help you do that. I was thinking my three least favorite words are things like, it's last call. But okay, if back to school works for you, that's fine. I actually have to do a little bit of schoolwork because when I was looking at our fantasy boyfriend baseball league to, to, you know, to provide the updates to the standings, I noticed the recent trades that had been made. And it appears that I'm not going to say any names, but one of our teams picked up Sean Hader. Wait, Josh. Josh Hader. Josh Hader. That's what I mean. Yep. I've been drinking. (laughs) Josh Hader, who is the most hateful of all of the the boys who got busted for, for There are terrible tweets in their past. And I'm thinking that if this is a sign, perhaps some of our participants in our Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League aren't using boyfriend rules. And I'm going to sit there with my red pen, figuratively, and go through and say, I don't believe you have to defend this guy as your actual boyfriend. And I actually did maybe confront the person who has Josh Hader on, let's say, his team, for instance, and he promised that he was going to get rid of him. But I, I do think there's a little bit of editing that may need to happen in all my spare time. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of cluelessness and just a little bit of responsibility on the part of the participant to have to research your guys. They're your boyfriends. You don't want to just take their stats. You want to look in a little bit into the backstory. Although I've got to say, I think I'm a little guilty as well because there are those last minute trades when somebody gets injured. Fuck injured. I want to talk about that. We're going to talk about the impact of injuries on our teams and all the teams in general. We're going to do a new vocabulary lesson about the expanded roster because things are changing yet again. So excited to have Otani Watch back with us. Um, A little bit of strategy as we move towards the playoffs. I may have to troll our Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League players again about their boyfriend choices. We'll talk about the Women's Baseball World Cup and um, our raccoons witches or rally pets. I'm just saying. Here we go. Tell us about the injuries. Injuries suck. All right. (laughs) I know that from a personal level, but also this has really confused me as, as a new manager. This is my first year ever playing fantasy baseball. And I thought about, you know, what if a, if a person starts underperforming or things like that happen, but they get hurt and they get hurt a lot. And my teams have really had pitching fuck ups. And you can't anticipate that. You think you've got it covered and then it's like, oh, crap, this came out of nowhere and now I'm screwed. Yeah. So I was on the top of our Fantasy Baseball Boyfriend League coasting for so long because I was riding that wave of Astros pitching. They had four, five, whoops, five solid starters. All of them could have been aces. But injuries. My dude Sparkles, we call him Sparkles, Lance McCullers, he's been out since the beginning of August with some muscle issue in his forearm. And now Mr. Morton, the subject of the sentence, Charlie Morton, 
Right shoulder, they're thinking he'll miss a start, but it could be more. And McCullers is coming back maybe in September and maybe as a reliever. So it's totally messed up my stats. This has screwed me over, too, because I had the Nationals and I had the Cleveland baseball team as their pitching staffs. And both of them are trashed by injuries. And they're coming back and they're subbing people in eventually. But I thought I was going to be coasting on them, too. As it turns out, not so much. These aren't the only pitchers, though, that are wreaking havoc across the league. You know, sometimes it works in your favor. I would say my anti-boyfriend, probably the least boyfriend of mine that there is out there, Aroldis Chapman, closer of the Yankees and abuser. I feel like I want to hiss right now. Yeah. So you say his name. I re- that Ew. would probably be like the most detested player to me. But I think a couple episodes ago, I promised not to do that. There's the Chapman exemption to that rule. He might be out for the season shucks with some knee tendonitis they're doing some ejection in injections i was hoping for injections <laughs> injections in the meantime that britain trade taking zach britain from the orioles to the yankees seems to be helping them sort of fill that closer hole along with Batansis, who all of a sudden isn't really doing that great and their own robertson dave robertson the, we'll see what the yankees can patch together i have no sympathy who I do have sympathy for, however, were the A's that you talked about last week, how well they're doing this year out of nowhere, right? And how Sean Manea was the guy that was still hanging in there. Sean Manea is the one starter that you talked about last week as the A's depending on, and now he is on the DL. He is the last of their starting five this season to hit the DL. He is their ninth starter on the DL And it's indefinitely. It's a rotator cuff issue. Who knows what the healing path is going to be? I wish the best for Sean Manea, despite his getting his no-hitter against the Red Sox. But it's just sad for the A's. So what does this say about pitchers? We're talking about a lot of pitchers on the DL. Is that a thing? I think it's a thing. Um, I think... Even though a lot of clubs go with pitch counts, like you're not going to pitch over 100, I think there are some that are letting them go a little bit longer. We've talked before about pitchers throwing harder than they've ever thrown before because they can come out earlier and they'll start putting in the relief pitchers. So the ones who are pitching for fewer innings are throwing really hard. They're emptying the tank, as they say. And so I I think they are, in fact, hurting themselves. This time of year, a lot of teams throw in a bunch of extra relief pitchers. So that leads right to our vocabulary lesson, actually. This is the time of year, now that we've passed the August 31st trade deadline, that the teams move to what they call their expanded roster. At the beginning of the season, teams have the 25-man roster, which these are the active major league players, but they have what they call the 40-man roster, which includes the guys they have on the DL, but it also includes the guys that are in their farm system, in their minor league system that are available to be called up to the major leagues. So if you're on the 40-man roster, one of the 25-man roster guys gets hurt, you might get a call up. So it's limited to who you're going to call up at that time. When you hit September 1st and you're leading into the playoffs, the teams can use their entire 40-man roster. So they choose who, who are they going to bring up. And they may do things like a lot of teams bring up a lot of relief pitchers. That's why the games in September and the playoff games take so dang long because they have so many relief pitchers. They can do these matchups, right? Oh, we want this pitcher for that batter. And then we're going to wait for 10 minutes while this guy warms up. And then we're going to have this pitcher for that batter. But they might be bringing up a lot more bats. One of the things they do are... The teams that are not in contention, 
use this expanded roster as a way to give guys in the minors major league experience. Come out, try to hit against the big boys, try to field against the, the big boy batters, get some experience. The, the ones who are in contention, they're picking and choosing. They're, you know, that's why those late, late season trades happened because we want to get into the playoffs and we want to win. So that's who they're pulling up, who they think they can help, who can help them. You know, the first thing I want to say is that that pitching change situation that you were talking about, pitching with changing with every batter, really works in my favor because this is when I get my papers graded. It was while watching baseball, <laughs> so every time there's a, a pitcher change or an inning change, that's when I like turn to the papers and get some shit done. So baseball is good for my job. It really is. So that whole pace of play thing is working for you when you have to grade papers. Uh. One last thing about the expanded roster, it's going to. It's going to change one more time for the playoffs. It's going to go back to 25-man rosters, but there are rules about that, too. We'll talk about that when we get to the actual playoffs. I'm so excited that you get to say this again. Say it. Do it. Otani Watch. Yay! Hey, so speaking of teams that are adding to their bullpens, the Angels are doing so so that Otani can pitch again. We've been waiting for this all fucking year. We were so excited when he was coming over as this... uh, the phenom. First, yeah, phenom. First in a long time to be both an awesome batter and a killer pitcher. And then he gets injured. And he was out of batting for a very short amount of time, but he's been batting as the DH for the Angels. But it's sort of fucking everything up for the Angels, honestly. Pujols, who was the DH, ha- is now on the DL because he's been playing first base too much. He's 39 years old. He should be DHing. So hopefully this will help. Who holds? I don't know. They might they might lose him by then. But Otani's back on the mound. He is going to be limited on the pitch count because he gets a bullpen full of this expanded roster. Um, we we at the beginning of the season we were hoping to see him in the All Star game, maybe Rookie of the Year, and none of that was able to happen. So I'm really looking forward to at least the opportunity to, to see him pitch, hopefully five more times. That would be most excellent. I want to add a strategy note to all of these trades that have been happening. It seems like teams think that specific infield positions don't mean as much as they used to. It used to be we've got a hole at second base. We've got a hole at third base. We've got to find somebody with a bat and who can play this position. That's less important now because right now strikeouts are at an all-time high, right? So fewer balls in play. And home runs, although they're not going to break records this year, are still super high. So if someone hits a home run or they strike out, there is no need for any defense to happen, right? The guys in the field watch the strikeout or they watch the ball sail over their heads. They don't have to make any plays. So defense is becoming less important, which bums me out because, you know, I like small ball. I want to see a double play turned, right? Sexy defense is our motto. Defense is sexy. And the thing is, those positions are not interchangeable. When it goes wrong, it goes terribly wrong. Can Are you playing shortstop or second? That means you've got to be able to turn double play. If you're playing third base, you have to have an arm like a rocket to throw to first. So it, these things matter. They're a little bit different. Yeah, well, they stick guys in the outfield thinking, oh, they can just play outfield. They have to run. These men have to run far distances. They have to be super fast. They have to be able to see where that ball is going to go and get there fast. So some of these trades... They'll say, oh, yeah, okay, I know we already have second baseman, but we really need this bat. Or we already have shortstops, but we need this bat, so we'll make it work. And they just keep moving people around. It doesn't always work for them. 
I have a little bit of a, of a criticism here. Last week, you told me, don't panic. You said, don't panic. Those very words. I even see them in the notes. I said, don't panic. I meant don't panic. And dealing with the trade deadline. Well, as a Red Sox fan, I'm panicking just a little bit. So Tell me of your panic. Your Cleveland team yes. has now got my ex-boyfriend, Josh Donaldson, yeah, who did. I have gotten zero out of this year, by the way, because he's been on the fucking DL for so long. He's not even off the DL yet, but he's going to come springing to life to help your really, it, like, no doubt that Cleveland is going to the playoffs. They are so far ahead in their division. Not happy. And I say I'm kind of okay with this because I think he's going to feel a lot better when it's time to bat in the playoffs. Yay. Uh, But that's one we agree on. There's one we agree on a lot. The one we agree on is Kutch, Andrew McCutcheon going to, I can't say it. Yankees. The Yankees. Yankees. Hate them. The Yankees. And as soon as it came out, I was like, damn, man, you're going to be shaven. And he shaved and he actually had his baby Steele, who you talked about before, um, named when he was in Pittsburgh, watch him while he was shaving so that he would recognize him afterwards. Yeah, and I got to say, so I I hate that he had to shave to be a Yankee because I don't want him to be a Yankee. But man, he looks good either way, shaved or not. So there's that. And I get why the Giants did it. Okay, the Giants are in that spot where they need to get rid of guys and get some money for next year and all that. And they probably should have traded him before. But the damn Yankees, that sucks. Yeah, and this sort of draconian you must shave policy, I'm going to post a link about a really good article connecting that to some racial issues behind there. So just I get to say fuck the Yankees one more time. And I also get to say I'm really sad, just really fucking sad to lose Gio Gonzalez from the Nationals. And I think there are a lot of people with us on that one. Yeah, he's been here for a long time. You know, he got married here. He raised his, you know, he has a couple kids here. This is his home. And now he's off to Milwaukee. And I think he's going to be great. I feel, I wish him well. But it's, I'm, I'm personally a little sad about the whole thing. A happy note, especially for the kids team Chris Bryant is back playing for the Cubs, and he came back after not playing for like a month and a half and doubled. So yay. So he's back with a bang, which is good. Um, he was he may end up in the outfield because guys moved around in the Cubs infield while he was away. And one of the things that happened there is is Daniel Murphy getting picked up by the Cubs and playing second base, even though he's really there for his bat. And we talked last week about how the homophobia thing from a few years ago is now brand new again. And I'm okay with that. But the hilarious thing is even subtly, people are not letting him get away with this. The, um, the organist for the Atlanta Braves absolutely trolled him when they play, when um, the Cubs were playing the Braves. Um, and can I just say two of our fans of the show, two of our listeners, David and Holly, Within minutes of each other, sent us this same link, so we were so we would know about this. But the organist, every time Murphy came to bat, he created walk-up music, including Lady Gaga's "Born This Way," and I am so happy about that. It's you know not so subtle, but it's just there in the background. Don't let it die. Make him answer for what he said. So perfect. And I just have to add a little bit that I'm not as torn losing Murphy as I was with Gio. And uh, Defoe has more home runs than Murphy since the the trade. And he can turn a damn double play. And defense is sexy. Um, Another uh, fantasy 
baseball boyfriend league guy not on my team who made the news this week, not saying whose team he's on, J.D. Martinez um, of the Red Sox. Okay, so this is another case of a tweet being pulled up from years ago. He is a proponent of the Second Amendment, and apparently he's a gun owner and he carries. He posted a photo and a quote, a photo of, of Hitler and a quote that's attributed to him, but probably isn't really him. And whether it's true or not, or if he's trying to make a point that this is an anti-Hitler thing, why, why, JD, I like you. You're a great player. Now, well, you're never going to be my boyfriend because of the whole, you know, Second Amendment thing. That's that's on my list. You know, more power to you if that's not on your list, but that's on my list. But really, all this stuff happens with these guys on Twitter and you leave a photo of Hitler up. I don't care why. Really? So there's that. Yeah, I personally think it was meant to be ironic, but, you know, that's in the eyes of the reader and better not fuck with it. I think you're right. Just scrub your accounts, guys. Get in there and scrub your accounts. Because people don't read. They don't they're not going to like say, oh, what? What do you really mean by this? They're going to say, oh, there's Hitler. So there you have it. Let's talk about something nice. Something nice is women's baseball, which just goes back to, you know, I don't think we would have these Twitter past Instagram issues if we just focused fucking more on women. Because I don't, I don't know, but I I have a hunch that they haven't said as stupid shit as some of these boys did. I'm guessing that women ballplayers are a lot less homophobic. Let me just put that out there. Yeah. They're good ballplayers, though. So we just finished the Women's Baseball World Cup. The championship games were this Friday. The number one, number two game was between Japan and Chinese Taipei, which is Taiwan to us. And I believe it's titled Chinese Taipei through the baseball world because of issues with China. Anyway, they played and Japan one And then the consolation game between Canada and the U.S. went into extra innings, three of them. And Canada won. So this is the first, well, no, it's the second time. The second time the United States has not medaled. Japan, on the other hand, is still undefeated since 2012. The first time we talked about this on this podcast, we said they were undefeated. They remain that way. It's the sixth time that they've heard, held first place in this biannual championship since 2008. And the two uh, women's baseball World Cups before then in 04 and 06, Japan was second to the U.S. Interesting, we talked about how Japan has a professional league. It started in 09. And since then, they've been winning, even right before then. But, huh. Is there a lesson we could learn from this? It totally seems like there is a lesson. And even adding to that lesson, Taiwan, who plays second, had not placed before this year. They had not even been in the top three. Second place this year, three of their players play in the Japanese Professional League. Wait, wait. So what you're saying is if women get a chance to play baseball on a regular basis in an organized league on on an ongoing basis, they might be better at this. They may play better together as a team, for instance, and they might win championships. Yeah. You know, I'm not a statistics expert, but it (laughs) seems like the data here is sort of supporting that. The most valuable player for the third time is this phenomenal Japanese pitcher, Ayami Sato, who went three for zero, pitch three, one three. Her ERA was 0.37. This is an international championship, mind you. Wait, the first number was a zero? 
it was 0.37. That's Z- outstanding. Yeah. That's, that's unheard of. She played a complete game. This is like the, you know, basically World Series level. 19 this is better than pitch. World Series level is what this is. I agree with you. Absolutely. Three walks the whole time. 18 strikeouts. And you know what? You're talking about that ERA. In 2014, she had a zero ERA for this championship. Good God. And she wants to go to Cooperstown. Power to her. There are no women players in Cooperstown. There's an executive or something like that who is a woman, but no female players. There's some honorary stuff, but not the real thing. And you know what? I, w- I would I would root for this for, da- for damn sure. That's, those are amazing numbers. <laughs> so her words about why Japanese pitchers do well is she talks about running. She said, the balance of jogging and running is very important to us in Japan. Pitchers are always moving. Running affects pitching. The balance between running and pitching makes them better pitchers. How about Bartolo Colon or CeCe Sabathia? Are they going to be doing laps around the field? Those Think how much better they could be if they did. Or they may just drop out of heart attack. So maybe we shouldn't push that. I don't know. And I guess I don't really want Sabathia pitching better at this point. <laughs> but I want to say our, our, our friend, uh, Alfredo, from Con Las Bases Llenas, confirmed with me that Megan Baltzell, who I mentioned last week, is the player to watch in the U.S. team. She plays men's independent league. Again, back to that point, you play baseball, you get better, especially if you play in an organized league. Uh, She batted 500. She had two home runs and 10 RBI, which were the most in the overall championship, including the Japanese players. So power to to this young woman. And last week, I also gave a little bit of a jab at ESPN for covering Little League and not Women's Baseball World Cup. I found out that even ESPNW, which is their fucking women's channel, did not cover this. I don't That's get unreal. it. But MLB has had a couple of articles about it. And their quote, which oh I saw God. in one, but you saw in more than I one. I saw, yeah, they had a couple of articles. And each one ended this way. And I just, I couldn't bear it. I just couldn't bear it. Go ahead and tell them. Go ahead and tell them. They say... Anyone interested in future girls or women's baseball programming and events can send an email to girlsbaseball at MLB.com to get more information about baseball opportunities through NBA and U.S. baseball. So listeners, please, each one of you, go to your computer right now. Send a little email. Let's do this together to girlsbaseball at MLB.com and ask them, why the fuck don't we see more girls baseball? They can't have a freaking website? I mean, how hard is that? I'll do it for them. Why do we have to email? Yeah, please do it and please report back to the class if you hear anything back, anything at all, as a result of your email to girlsbaseball at MLB.com. This is a weird segue. I can't, from women's baseball to raccoons, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Okay, so the Orioles in the basement. Um, The Orioles, the Baltimore Papers want to say that there's a raccoon. There's always a raccoon in Camden Yards. Um, They want to call it a rally raccoon. And then um, Deadspin says, no, it's a raccoon witch. And let me explain why there is a disparity on what effect the raccoon had on the Orioles season. It was discovered in Camden Yards while the Orioles were being swept by the Yankees. However, it was still there when the Orioles swept the Blue Jays. So the first is a curse. The second is a rally raccoon. Although that last game against the Blue Jays, they were losing. The Orioles were losing 4-1 to one at the time that some people, well, I'm sure they were very kind animal control people because they used the word safe. They just 
took the raccoon somewhere else that was no longer in Camden Yards, but during the game. So they took the raccoon out when the O's were losing 4-1. to one. As soon as the raccoon had left the building, Adam Jones hit a grand slam, and the O's ended up winning 10-5. to five. So... So Deadspin is proposing that the raccoon was perhaps a witch, which has been cursing the O's, which um, they've been playing away games ever since. So we can't really say what control they've had over home games. But in the next week or so, they'll be back at home and we can see the difference. And I got to believe that sometimes a raccoon is just a raccoon and maybe it's a distraction for the fact the Orioles are still in the frickin' basement. I was going to say this gives the Baltimore Papers something to write about. Something that's not about, well, we'll get them next year. While I was in Albany last week, I did another minor league visit, and my daughter and I and her grandparents went to see the Tri-City Valley Cats. Bonus points if you know that the Tri-Cities are Albany, Schenectady, and Troy, right? So remember that. There may be a quiz later. And here's what I want to say about that. We didn't know going in that the opponent of the Tri-City Valley Cats was actually the Aberdeen Ironbirds, which are the Baltimore Orioles single A short season team. So this is like way down on the the totem pole. This is like, you know, single A ball. But they were playing an O's team. And so Cam went, my daughter went in her Ripken shirt, right? Um, Grams was not so excited that Camden was getting up to cheer. And she was was worried that someone was going to hurt her granddaughter because she was cheering for the O's. But she wasn't that wrong because every time she cheered, I looked around, there were all these little kids that would turn and look at her with lasers in their eyes. Like, you're wrong. Wait, you know, you're cheering for the, how, and or I hate you. Like, one of these things is happening. Um, the thing is the Tri-Valley, Tri-City Valley Cats were doing really well. They're, they're making the playoffs, which is very cool. So I think that it was a full stadium. And these kids were not used to anybody rooting for the other team because you have to go to like the Hudson Valley Community College to see these guys play, which is actually a nice little stadium. But it was kind of funny. I will say there are two things. One is they have an excessive number of mascots. They have the Tri-City Valley Cat cat, who looks great. And their their race, their like, you know, mid-game race is not racing presidents or racing pierogies or whatever. It's actually a racing giant-headed mayor of each of the three cities. And so one of them is oh, female, two of them are male. They do this race with the giant heads. And um, my mother-in-law patted me and said, we have the lady mayor. So I'm just saying. So now I know the Albany mayor is, is the lady mayor. Um, At least they didn't have the cat chasing the bird. Oh, that would have been entertaining. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. The other thing that was interesting is there were a lot of names on the back of jerseys that are names of pro players that we follow. Um, one of them. One of the players is actually named Manny Ramirez. Hey! And he's I like that name. from the same place in the DR that our Manny Ramirez that we know and love, and, you know, it's just Manny being Manny, is from. So I looked him up, and Manny Ramirez actually has two sons named Manny Ramirez. Oh, God. Diff- different moms. Different moms. It's just Manny being Manny. And one of them is a ball player, but I can't for sure say that it's this ball player. Um, but it could be that this ball player is, you know, the family – that you know, his family maybe were fans of our Manny Ramirez and named him after him. I don't know, but there was a Carrasco, a Machado, and an Encarnacion, and a Pineda. And I just kept thinking, are these guys like the little brothers? And I can't prove that they were or they weren't, but it was kind of fun to think about. That's super weird because Pineda, I've heard a lot, Machado, not so much. Encarnacion, I'm super curious. There should be some sort of guide to who's who there. I want to know. I want to know, too. So we'll watch them. If they make the majors, I'm sure someone will say, oh, by the way, this is the brother of. So, yeah, this was another minor league visit that we made. Um, A couple of our other minor league visits 
have been appearing on Patreon as extra bonus content for people who are subscribers to hear about our reviews of minor league stadiums and and our experiences at those games. If you too want to be a Patreon member, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month, about a quarter an episode, to get access to this content, full-length interviews, and more. So if you want to do that, and we hope you do, please go to patreon.com slash bball. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash no crying and b-ball and become a supporter today. You'll find everything you need there to support NCIB. Thanks so much. This week in baseball, we've got here at home in your nation's capital, we've got the Cards visiting, we've got the Cubs visiting, and we're kind of winding down the season. So we'll see how those games go. I'm feeling a little wistful about the season kind of drawing to a close for us. Definitely. And I'm feeling a little wistful in our Fantasy Baseball Boyfriend League because in the early days, as I had said before, I was clearly on top. But Deborah's been there for a long time. And now there's a potty mouth sandwich between two patties. You're above me and below me. Isn't it supposed to be the other way around? Like the patty between the buns? Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Are are you the buns now? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe. And now I'm the sandwich. Okay, not not it not not this week. This week you are not the bonds. This week I'm number two, I'm number four, and there's just no catch in Deborah, so I don't know what's gonna happen. In the coming week, we hope you get some more ball games in before the season comes to a close, or maybe you're lucky enough to live in a place where your team's gonna keep going and playing in October. Not so much here at home. Please tell your friends about us. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on social media. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth. Potty Mouth.